Hi, my name is Eric. And I'm Shalila. And this is Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies and their place in our culture. Uh, Today is our very special sort of second, sort of third episode of our uh, Disney miniseries that we are doing, uh, exploring all of the animated Disney films that have released, because Shalila still has not seen most of them. In fact, I think we're now up to four uh, before the year like 2012, right? Probably. Yeah. Uh, if I, my memory serves, it is still Bambi, Bolt, Snow White, uh, and Mulan. <laughs> and The Little Mermaid. And Little Mermaid, right. Okay, so that's five. So today makes six. That's very exciting. Oh, big moment for me. <laughs> big moment. You hit the big six. Um, big hero six. Ah. Wow. See wow. how I did that? Yep. I did. Uh, I didn't want to. <laughs> Today's podcast is on Disney's sophomore feature, Pinocchio. I don't... I, I'm really going to let you take the beginning of this one because obviously, like, this is your first time seeing it. I think... Most people have not seen it since they were children, if at all. Uh, And I hadn't seen it since I was a child until about a year ago. So I don't want to color anything. I just want to know what you thought. You're going to throw me into the depths of the ocean with a large whale in it out of nowhere. That's correct. Yep. To talk about probably the most scarring movie I've seen recently. And I rewatched Parasite this year multiple times. That's correct. Great. Well... Let me just start by saying that I cannot believe anybody watched this movie as a child. It's absolutely horrifying. This movie is horrifying. (laughs) It's deeply (laughs) scarring and deeply horrifying. Um, It also definitely takes the crown for me as the movie that was the most different from anything I could have possibly expected going in. We were talking about that at the end of last episode. I I was asked you, like, what were your expectations? I couldn't wait to see how they matched. Man, did I I say anything? Because I bet all I knew was like, yeah, there's a puppet and his nose grows. Yep, that's it. And you were like, probably like fun adventures of a puppet whose nose grows. (laughs) Man, in a a sense, true. Um, this is a very weird movie. I, I really just, I don't even think I liked it. It's just, it was just really unsettling. I think it was a a good, probably a good, like, portrayal of whatever the heck themes it was trying to portray, but I'm not sure that I would even consider this movie enjoyable. I watched it today, so it's not like I've sat with it, but I am still just, it was a lot. Like, it was a lot, lot. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I, I, I really... I, I I can't emphasize enough to people who have not seen it recently in their lives. Like, this is a dark movie and so weird uh, in every way, shape, and form. And I, I don't know, like, I don't think I get it. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't think there's something to get per se, but I'm, I've never read the actual story. So I'm really curious to know where it differs because there are, like, it, it, it lives in this weird realm of, like, fantasy and realism but i don't think you can call it magical realism uh it's wildly italian slash disney so i don't know what to call this but that's that's one of the things that confuses me the most about this movie is like where 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 does this take place if that makes sense like i don't mean geographically but to what level of disney magic does the film take place uh because Pinocchio tur- like coming to life is shown to be like a huge deal, right? Geppetto, super excited. Pinocchio's alive. The Blue Fairy came and gave him life. All good. Super cool. And then the next scene, there's like a talking fox 
So yeah, where like where where do we exist in here then? <laughs> like because I would have thought that the fox would be a lot more interesting than the puppet, but not so much. I mean, whales are eating people. There's uh, islands full of kids turning into donkeys. Like where is this? <laughs> I I really baffled by this movie as an adult. Yeah, I I just I just want to say that. Like I'd mentioned before, I did not know anything about the progression of movies along the Disney timeline. Like, I didn't know which one came first, which one came second, and how notable it was, you know, when you look at them in order. And I'm just kind of baffled that they went from, like, the leap that they took from the simplicity and kind of the surface sort of narrative that Snow White had to this very deeply harrowing tale of distrust and honesty and the coming of age in the most terrifying way. It's just, it's just a large leap to make in a few years. And I, I guess I just have questions. Like, what, what happened there? Like, they started out like, man, let's make an arresting and fun story that balances being a little realistic with being a little imaginative. And then they were like, yo, we're going to throw you into the deep end. But really fast. Like, this is the second Um, one they did. Yeah. Like, I I think a lot of what you had brought up during Snow White stuck with me while I was watching Pinocchio. Just because of, like, what you were talking about was, like, your first exposure to it. And just that marked, I think you really touched on it there, like, that marked difference between the two. Snow White is, I mean, again, like we talked about it last time, it's not that there's not creepy stuff. Like that shot of the evil queen's face is haunting. But as it, most of it goes, like it's it's mostly just a fun, bright romp. And this is mostly not. <laughs> like it's, it is so dark and it's so heavy handed in its messaging too. In a way that I, I don't even think Snow White was. Snow White just felt very fairy tale-y. And this one feels like they're just beating kids over the head with a theme uh in a in a really like intense way um yeah, yeah I, I and i i agree completely it was kind of like a what happened between these two uh which i couldn't find anything like i didn't see you know i was looking for like the i guess the rosebud sled of like oh well whatever a family member died or something or his kid got really into drinking and driving or something like something that would have elicited a creator to really go off and start thinking darker um and as far as i can tell not so much just they were like oh pinocchio is a thing that we could do and then let's do pinocchio yeah Uh, yeah no it definitely feels to me like the link between the two as disney productions are clear it's just that i would have assumed that five movies went in between the two yeah yeah, yeah. So I guess for those who have not seen the movie in a long time, I, I want to give like a quick rundown of the film uh, because I don't expect you to watch it, which I think might be the right choice. <laughs> uh, but Pinocchio, I think, as most people remember it, you, you're remembering probably the first 20 minutes and then you're remembering like one specific part. So Pinocchio... Uh, Geppetto, old nice guy, carves a marionette. Marionette is brought to life by the Blue Fairy, who is the North Star? Not really clear on that, but magical (laughs) star in the sky, who grants wishes. And she comes down, and she uh, brings Pinocchio to life, but he's like a living puppet. And then she gives him Jiminy Cricket, which I really want us to come back to, (laughs) as his conscience. Uh, And the rest of the movie is spent with Jiminy Cricket basically telling Pinocchio to like, Go to school, don't do drugs, listen to your dad. 
seems to be, uh, and and please jump in if I'm forgetting one, but I think that's how like the three sequences map are basically like go to school instead of not don't indulge in fun things like bad fun things uh and then listen to your dad those are like the three majors and along the way pinocchio doesn't listen to literally any of them because he's been alive for 10 seconds and he's a puppet so he is conned by a charlatan fox sold off to a puppeteer slash child kidnapper both and then later joins up with like the lost boys and heads off to a place called pleasure island (laughs) in order to smoke drink and gamble until he is turned into a donkey yes and i just watched it again today and i still don't think i fully get why they become donkeys oh no uh it's so that they can be slaves yeah, it's just the human and so they can go narrative. work in mines and circuses. Right? How could you forget right? the human but why trafficking narrative? Donkeys. <laughs> anyway, we'll go back to donkeys. Um, so he escapes this island. Again, and, human trafficking uh, island. Yes, he escapes Pleasure Island. He comes him and him and Jiminy Cricket come back home. They get a letter saying that his dad went out to the ocean to find him. To save him from Pleasure Island, because that's what a good dad does. And Pinocchio, that greedy, you know, not listening to his dad, SOB, made his dad swim out to the ocean in order to rescue him. And he was swallowed by a giant whale. (laughs) Which, again, we got to come back to all this, but he's now living inside of the belly of a whale. Yeah. And I don't know how much time has passed, but the, the, the blue fairy just sort of lets them know, like, oh, by the way, he lives in a whale now. Which to me establishes a timeline. Like that's that's a bit. Yeah, he had like, time established to take residence, residence. Yeah. in the whale. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he filed for a change of address in the whale. It's not a temporary thing. That's <laughs> where he is now. It's on his four hundred one k. Yeah, exactly. So Pinocchio jumps in the ocean. He gets swallowed, and then Pinocchio gets them out essentially, uh, and then Pinocchio's turned back into a. Or turned into a real boy, rather. Uh, and it's like, super great, that's it, movie ends. Yeah. So that that's the that's the general synopsis. Just for those who aren't going to watch it again, which I completely understand, just know that's all the parts of Pinocchio that you're forgetting. Just a nonstop romp of truly dark and depressing narratives as to what children will face if they don't do exactly what they're supposed to, which is go to school. <laughs> <laughs> listen to your dad those are the two so yeah i think you kicked off the episode with what will possibly be the only and the most standout theme that we'll be able to come up with here which is i really don't also know where this movie lives <laughs> like in the imagination slash on paper slash on the screen i don't know what they were going for but i, I, I think either. that they ended up with too much <laughs> and i just want i just want to know more about the decisions behind many many things in this movie but before that i'm also going to talk a little quickly about the kind of the legacy and some of the the facts behind the movie okay, go for it. so 1940 released in february 1940 um was obviously uh, hailed for its beautiful animation realistic movement of vehicles machinery natural elements like rain lightning smoke 
um, became the first animated feature to win a competitive Academy Award, winning two for Best Music Original Score and Best Music Original Song for When You Wish Upon a Star. Which is just baffling. <laughs> the whole Everything you just said is baffling. But it was also a box office bomb, mainly due to World yeah. War II cutting off the European and Asian markets overseas, but eventually obviously you know, had a reissue and is now considered one of the greatest films ever made and entered the National Film Registry list and has yeah. a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, so yeah, it's doing fine. I don't know if we're yeah, doing fine I, after watching it, but it's doing fine. There's a couple things, there's a couple of the quotes that I want to read from the reviews, because I there were other movies there just had to be. This couldn't have been it. So, uh, 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 Frank Nugent of the New York Times mm-hmm. gave the film five out of five stars and said, quote, Pinocchio is here at last, is every bit as fine as we would have prayed it would be, if not finer. And that is as gay and clever and delightful a fantasy as any well-behaved youngster or jaded oldster could hope to see. There's also a review quote in which they say that it looks so real that you think that it's real people. I, what? <laughs> what on earth are they talking about? No, I'm. this is actually what I was probably going to close with. I also have the original THR review from 1940 up. Which Ooh. I read through several times. Okay. It's actually very fascinating. Um, That's but exciting. Yeah, it is, it's obviously completely glowing, as you may have garnered from that little section of reviews on Wikipedia. But it says, Pinocchio's entertainment for everyone of every age. So completely charming and delightful that there is profound regret when it reaches the final fade out. Since comparisons will be inevitable, it may as well be said at once that from a technical standpoint, conception and production, this picture is infinitely superior to Snow White. And then they say... Um, Kalito's classic story of the puppet who was given life and had to learn how to become a real boy the hard way by suffering devastating punishments or his moments of weakness has been presented faithfully, but with a wealth of glowing embellishment and a constant flow of chucklish humor with drawings and script-sharing honors. And I'm just going to close with the last paragraph because it's even more unbelievable. Taken as a whole, the picture is a masterpiece which sets another milestone along the road of screen entertainment. The credits announced are many. Of them all, it can only be said that everyone who had any part whatsoever in the making of this picture deserves unstinted praise. They have provided a new source of joy for which they deserve and will receive the gratitude of millions who will see it. I just want to say, to get ahead of what we're definitely thinking, is what movie did they watch when they were reviewing this? This is what I mean. Like, I I don't know the scape of animation at this point, and maybe that's the reason, but there was other stuff going on. <laughs> like, I just, pre-war Hollywood was a pretty boon place. I can't imagine. It is, I guess what I'm getting at is, I guess, I, I obviously they're not lying. I think what it just shows is, like, it's wild to me that this really, this really was that at the time. Like, that is so strange to me that this was so unheard of that that is the review. Because now, this is such a baffling piece of media. I can't believe it Yeah, this it would get a Scoob-like like review these days. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't think it would ever hit anything because no one would greenlight half of what's in this movie. I, I, and that's not from like a, I'm not saying that from like a, oh, because corporations don't let stuff happen. No, this is like where I'm on their side where they're like, this is a terrible idea. And you're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. And I, you know, like you said, I think 
there, there's the animation side, which is separate. There, the animation is beautiful. Once again, like I think we talked about from Snow White, like um, I had forgotten about that first shot, like the the bouncing shot into the workshop. Mm-hmm. That's With the I, I don't know much about that, like era to be honest but it felt very novel like even just among disney it was kind of like a well that was an interesting technique and i can't imagine that was something that was very common so things like that that are pretty cool but i i don't know i i get this feeling that like animation was still i would assume so new and what disney was doing was so novel and so pretty that and i guess it was 1940 and you had less going on that <laughs> You were willing to overlook the fact that the story is just absolutely bonkers because it was kind of pretty. That's that's my that's all I can uh, uh, land on, I guess. Right, and I'm with you. It's just that, and obviously not to slight again the beautiful animation. I I want to specifically point out that I thought all of the woodwork in the studio was some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, like with the little little pieces moving around and the clocks and everything. But man, all of that aside, I understand how wondrous it must have been to see that when there's nothing like it, especially feature length. But I mean, truly, how depressed was everyone to think that this is like an uplifting... The fact that they use the word joy in that review. Man, I did not feel joy watching this movie. I don't know what emotion it was, but it was probably confusion. No, there's no joy. I just, I'm just confused because I'm, I'm not saying that these reviews should have been any less wondrous. I understand the wonder of looking at a piece of art like that. I'm just confused about the cocktail of emotions that they're describing regarding the storyline like they're talking about the plot like it was the plot of snow yeah. white which it was not yeah so yeah. what happened there i mean i know that there's some background in the fact that um the goal with those who wrote the story or were involved with the story was to talk about the ideal american child rearing in the 21st in the 20th century like how to teach your children about morality about good versus evil truth versus dishonesty like naivety versus maturity and how sort of to to teach children um obviously the, the pitfalls of you know lying and disobeying and things like that but just to kind of illustrate what a at the end of the day, what a good kind of father-son relationship can look like. And like, sure, man, but how bad was everything back then that this was like uplifting? <laughs> what right, what was happening was, in American households? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So I want to, there, there's a lot that I know that we're going to talk about in this movie. I think I definitely have, we've got the big one, the big theme, which we'll come <laughs> back to. There's something with Jiminy Cricket I think we definitely have to touch on. There's a whole subcategory involving Stromboli and Jiminy and a lot of things in this movie. Uh, But what I want to stick to before getting into that is kind of jump to the end really quick. What I want to ask you, what we were talking about last time was that Snow White was one of those movies where um, we discussed the fact that it was like a journey movie, but there's no... It's, it's strange to see a movie now in which there's no arc. Like, she doesn't learn anything. They don't, the, 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 neither the dwarfs, no, nor Snow White, nor Prince Charming, um, or whatever his name is, uh, uh, they don't have to actually change anything about themselves in order to overcome the evil. They just have to take care of it when the time in the script says they have to take care of it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something we discussed last time. That that's kind of like a weird change from what we're used to. In modern film this feels like to me this feels like kind of another example of that and that's what i want to ask you about is how you felt about the end what i'm getting at here for myself is 
in the end, Pinocchio goes after his dad, and, and I get, you know, that there's a little more of an arc here. He finally listens to Jiminy. He finally goes home and then finds out his dad there. So now he has to go rescue his dad. He gets inside, and they're... Out of nowhere, he just becomes like an inventor, and he's like, "Oh, we'll just uh, light a fire inside the whale, and then we'll get out." And then they do, and he dies. Spoiler alert: <laughs> Pinocchio just straight up dies, and he dies. And the blue fairy comes back and is like, "Oh, well, you were brave and truthful and unselfish, so now you get to be a real boy." And I was simultaneously like, oh, this is interesting. This is the first time we see the arc happen. But at the same time, it also felt like a... Did Pinocchio actually learn anything in this damn movie? Like, uh, he never didn't like his dad from my memory. So I, I guess what I was confused by was her reasoning was like to reward the fact that he was now brave and truthful and unselfish. But I don't think I really saw the turn ever. And it felt, again, like the movie just sort of said at a certain point, now you understand he is these things without it actually being earned. But maybe I'm wrong about this, and I'd like to hear your take. Oh, I don't. I actually don't think you're wrong. I'm not sure that I have an answer, but I have something that's probably illuminating. Um, okay. So I have a quote, lots of quotes in this episode, because we are a history and like research it. podcast. We are official. Hell yeah. The author and illustrator, more famously, I guess, Maurice Sendak. Do you know who he is? Not at all. He's the one who did Where the Wild Things Are. Um, lots of oh, 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 famous yeah. children's books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, um, when he, I mean, he's now gone, but he, when he watched the movie in theaters back in 1940, he said that he thought the film was superior to the original novel, which again, neither of us have read. Um, but he says basically the reason he thinks it was superior was in its depiction of children and growing up. So he says, the Pinocchio in the film is not the unruly, sulking, vicious, devious marionette that Collodi created. Neither is he an innately evil, doomed to calamity child of sin. He is rather both lovable and loved. Therein lies Disney's triumph. His Pinocchio is a mischievous, innocent, and very naive little wooden boy. What makes our anxiety over his fate endurable is a reassuring sense that Pinocchio is loved for himself, and not for what he should or shouldn't be. Disney has, created a, has corrected a terrible wrong. Pinocchio, he says, is good. His badness is only a matter of inexperience, and also that Pinocchio's wish to be a real boy remains the film's underlying theme, but becoming a real boy now signifies the wish to grow up, not the wish to be good. Which I, I, I In the middle, of the, he kind of lost me there, but basically he's kind of saying that like Pinocchio isn't a symbol of actually learning things, it's just being pushed into the next age category no matter what. Right, like growing up having kinda more experience. Right, just literally doing more stuff. Yes. Interesting. Okay, that's an interesting argument. I will buy that from who I'm vaguely aware, now that you've identified, is one of the more famous authors of all time. Yes. <laughs> I'll accept their argument. Yeah, I buy that. I Like, actually, I think what I get out of that more than anything is, maybe to answer our previous point, maybe this movie is just different if you grew up in a time period in which you probably did read the story Pinocchio. So, like, in other words, it would have been received very differently if you had given it to an audience who grew up with the, the, the book, Pinocchio, which it sounds like has a very different conception. So then when you're presented this movie, which, at least from his review, sounds like more hopeful, you know, something that's, that's less cynical, 
uh, especially in a time like the 40s, like I can see why that might have then caused that feeling of like, oh, this is a joyful thing. But I don't think that works now because now I I would put big money on the fact that most people only know Pinocchio from the Disney film. Like you're probably vaguely aware that it exists elsewhere, but if you think Pinocchio, my guess is you, what comes to your mind is the image either from Shrek or from the Disney cover, like how he looks in the Disney movie. So if you don't have any other conception of who that character is and what that story is, then this movie doesn't, that doesn't change any conception of the story to you. That would be my current uh, uh, hypothesis. No, I'm with you. I think you saying that does throw those reviews into perspective a lot for me. Maybe it was just the most joyful thing on earth if you have read a story that is somehow even more scarring and a lot more negative and um, paints right. Pinocchio as, as he described, unruly, sulking, vicious, and devious. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I, uh, I'm going to give a weird, it's going to sound like a tangent, but I think I have a, a, a something that feels to me kind of familiar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see the animated, I think it's Disney. Hmm. Now that I'm saying this, I don't really know. Uh, the 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 animated um, Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. No. Yeah, it's like I I think it's I I uh, I should look this up even as I'm speaking, but I think it's from Zemeckis. I only say that because it it vaguely resembles the animation from the Polar Express, but it is a little more advanced. And this was a uh, this was an animated movie. I think it's from Disney, but it's not Walt Disney Animation Pictures. So uh, you know, I don't really know what that means to be honest. But uh, it is a it is a, a adaptation of A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey as Scrooge, um, the voice of. But it's also a very like intensely animated movies. It's one of those that's meant to look very realistic, so it looks very mocap, like old Jim Carrey essentially. Mm. Um, like elderly, very oh, crotchety, and yeah, everything's very detailed mind. in it, right? Yeah. So what I remember from this movie is people watch this, including myself, and for the most part, what I remember of sort of our generation's response to it was like, why was that so creepy? And I think what I'm getting at here is, what's jumping to my mind is that our version of Pinocchio is the inverse, is that movie, where... I think most of us grew up with either the Muppet Christmas Carol or Disney's Christmas Carol adaptation, but basically sort of like the the more hopeful ones, the sort of like nicer ones, while the Jim Carrey one is like a true blue adaptation of what it turns out is a much darker, much more depressing, not really very lenient story. So this just seems sort of familiar to me in this idea of like, if you're presented with a story that is so antithetical to the version you already know, mm. what impact does that have on how you then take and receive that story? Where for me, I like that movie, but it is crazy dark. And and it was sort of like off-putting of like, why did they make Christmas Carol so depressing? This is sort of the opposite of that of, oh, Pinocchio is so uplifting because they're so used to the dark and dreary Pinocchio. So uh, that, that that's my first... Uh, Posit as to a modern example of the, I'm going to dub it the Pinocchio effect, trademark. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. So that's, that's, I, I like this. I like that we, we've sort of talked ourselves into maybe a, a more accepting version of the ending. I like this. I would like to talk about Jiminy. You should do that. What's, what's going on with Jiminy? What's going on with Jiminy? Did you, I'm just going to, I'm just, we're going to hit right home. 
Did you also get like minstrel vibes with Jiminy? Oh, yeah. Right off the bat. Right. No, not, not vibes. Like I thought it was straight up just that. That's um, the point, Because it right? was 1940. So I, yeah, I just assumed. Okay. I wanted to make sure that I'm not totally off base because again, I hadn't watched it since I was a child. So I popped this in like a year ago and about three minutes in something, there's like a line that Jiminy Cricket reads and the way that it reads, I just sort of immediately is like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. And I'm having a spoiler alert for you, but I'm having like Dumbo flashbacks of, oh no, oh, I, this is, this completely went over my head as a child. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on this because that was a little bit alarming to me. Um, I do know that it's a character that's in the original story. So now I have questions about what was, how much was changed. Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up for you because this is where I kind of, I'm interested to know why they changed what they changed. I understand why they changed conceptually the very base, which is in the book, Jiminy Cricket's dead. Hold on. Uh, Pinocchio asks him for like advice or something and he accidentally squishes him. And then Jiminy Cricket comes back as a ghost <laughs> and he like Obi-Wans him through the rest of the movie. <laughs> so I get why they made that change. <laughs> that's that's probably a good bid in your children's movies to not immediately have your lead character squish the nice conscience cricket. Um I here's what I I think here's what's sitting with me. Here's why this is stuck in my brain. Obviously. At least, for, uh, we have not read the book. I want to reemphasize that. But from my vague research on this, I don't think the minstrel aspect is a component of the book. So what is sticking in my mind is this, like, this conscious decision by just Disney at all to make the conscience character of our puppet brought to life a minstrel and and to me the only reason that that is the case must have something to do with selling this to american audiences like like knowing that this is a film for americans and not a book for italians like and i i'm really interested in like what in a not you know interested in sort of like a i want to know why this terrible decision was made uh I, I, I'm really trying to figure out like where that came from. And the place that I'm going to the most, I think, is... Uh, and this is... I, again, have not looked this up at all. This is just right off the cuff. I think it's because Jiminy Cricket to Pinocchio is supposed to be familiar to Americans with uh, Huckleberry Finn and uh, Jim, I believe, is the person's name in the book Huckleberry Finn. Uh, 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 which is the, 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 the individual that he, you know, floats down the river with on the raft, like the entire book. So they both sort of fill this, like, um, teaching the rascally young boy lessons of life kind of thing. They both definitely fill the very unfortunate and very racist magical Negro trope. Um, and that's where, like, I, I... There was something about it in this rewatch where just the 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 intentional choices there and thinking about like the intentionality of of making him a minstrel, that's where it kind of came back to. I wonder if that's what this is meant to be. Is it meant to be familiar because of, 
even at the time, at least I assume, what would have been one of the more famous American novels uh, that I'm assuming, again, maybe that's a big assumption on my part, but I would assume most audiences at the time would have read or known of that story. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but yeah, that's what, I'm just going to pause that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's that's where I'm I'm leaning into. And it's certainly not necessary. Like, I guess that's the other thing I want to talk about. Like, it's not... That is not an integral component of this story at all. Like, they could have made Jiminy Cricket anybody they wanted. It's not like that's an important aspect. So, yeah, there was just something about that that really graded me in terms of like a... What a... What a... a to, you know, to me in like modern hindsight, like what a poor decision to choose to take something that could have been mappable to anything you wanted and instead reinforce something that obviously we now, you know, I'm sure at the time and now more so know is a, a terrible stereotype, uh, map it onto this story for no particular reason. Like, I, I can't, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it also makes me think of the end differently where at the very end, Jiminy Cricket steps outside and the fairy's like, good job, and gives him a gold badge because you successfully led this child into being uh a basically what you said like grown up so now you get to officially be a conscience and she like fixes him up with the right clothes when she turns him into the conscience originally because he's dressed very much in like rags and, and open shoes and things like that like there are some things in there that just read differently <laughs> once that clicks versus as a kid he was just fun jiminy cricket he was just fun little cricket i i had no connection um yeah, but I, I think what the one of the reasons I bring that up is that this movie is uh, has some horrible, horrible things going on in it. Uh, Stromboli, I think, being the next most obvious uh, uh, choice here. Uh, there are several slurs used for Stromboli, uh, 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 slurs uh, denoting the uh, Roma people, Romani people of Europe. Um, he's also just animated in a way that I don't think it's, is... It's not you know, great. I, no, and I think immediately is meant to elicit uh, not even not even like a specificity. I think it is just meant to elicit to any sort of I mean, I guess I'm just going to keep it to American, but but let's say white western audience in general of like this is uh, an Arab question mark? This is a uh, 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 Roma question mark? Like, you know, it's not like a I don't think it's even meant to be super specific. It's just like a general racial uh, someone of the Near East caricature, yeah. Um, which again, obviously didn't click as a kid. That's that's a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't remember. There's, I know there was something on the Pleasure Island. And I've all but forgotten it. Mostly because every time Pleasure Pleasure Island comes up, my brain turns off. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff in this movie. I'm still, I just. I'm having a really hard time seeing beyond the human trafficking like subplot. I just no, I think really that's really worth talking more. about. What's going on? What is going on? Why? Um, I mean, is it? I just have. I guess I have two questions. Like, is it? Was it legitimately meant to be about human trafficking in any form? Like, was it going to be literally about? the process of capturing young children and selling them into slavery of some kind. And my second question, because these could just both be yes or no's. Um, I know that the movie is a cautionary, a weirdly told cautionary tale to children. Like, 
losing your parents or all of these things can happen. But as we know, some of the things in this movie are realistic. Like you can get, I don't know, led astray or like um, you, whatever. But you probably won't end up in the belly of a whale. So on what level of realism was the warning to kids with the, you know, I haven't lived a full life yet. We'll see what happens. But um, what level of realism was the warning about human trafficking? Like, I guess I guess my question is really weird subplot that also is kind of resonant today to the point where it makes me wonder whether they were actually talking about the process of young children being captured and sold into any kind of imprisonment or they were just talking more generally about like a kidnapping happens slash like hey don't get caught um because it's really specific like go to an island and like a vacation and then like there's a bunch of kids but we'll actually pay you to like trap them there um, the donkey thing is but bonkers, the, but the the way that they set it up, I think, is worth talking about too, though, because like what you're hitting on is is all true. I think the only thing that we should note, though, is the the reason that Pleasure Island, like the reason that all of the kids begin to smoke and gamble and commit vandalism and drink and do all these things, which which then I guess allows them to be captured and turned into donkeys and sold to be slave donkeys i we again we'll get back to that i guess but the reason that all happens at least what we're told in the movie is because there are no rules or authority to like to 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 govern their their behavior on this island so i guess to what your point is like i'm interested in that question too of of is this was this at the time like something very specific but also that doesn't seem like the I guess my point is it feels like they're missing the reason. Like, I don't think the reason that kids get human trafficked is because there's not rules around. <laughs> like, it feels like a very deterministic uh, a philosophy about what gets children to trouble. What it's basically saying is that if kids don't have, I guess it's, I mean, to be fair, I suppose it's sort of Lords of the fly mm-hmm. Uh What it's basically saying is without any rules or authority, Kids, and specifically, I would imagine boys, I don't think there's a single girl in this movie, boys, without rules and authority, will turn into delinquents, and as a result of that, you get turned into a donkey and sold in a slave labor. <laughs> so I, I'm i interested in the same question you are. I think what I'm more like focused on, though, is this idea of why was that the connective idea there? Is that just supposed to go back to school? To your point of like, were they really hinting at the idea of like, you have to get educated, you have to make sure that you're listening to your parents because otherwise you will be human trafficked? Was that a big problem in the 40s? That's exactly I, my question. Because it's a bigger deal now, I think, right? Yeah. Like, to my knowledge, like the 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 rate of like child trafficking is way more intense now than it was previously. Like, right. so what are they getting at? Right, see, Why this is, is this... Yeah, this is exactly my problem, because like we talked about, we've talked about this now multiple times, we have no idea what plane of reality this movie exists on. Yeah. That's not my only issue. My issue is that I can completely buy a movie that devolves into chaos, like it starts out on a, on a kind of human problem level and devolves into like, well, you probably won't be alive inside a whale, but you get how, how we got here. It's a metaphor. Right. But the thing is, this movie oscillates so hard from being realistic to being not realistic, like plot-wise, yes. which is why I'm lost, because, because this happens towards the end of the movie, but not quite at the end. So we're neither at the part where I'm convinced this is reality, 
nor are we at the part where I'm convinced that it's it's solely a metaphor for something, which is why I think we're at this crossroads here where we're like, was a huge problem that kids needed to know that they could be human trafficked? Or are we talking more about like, like you're saying, more of like uh, human nature, young boys, lack of authority can lead to chaos as a concept and vices are bad because naturally I'm assuming they're not like drinking alcohol and then visually turning into what is an acid trip in the movie. But it's just, I'm lost, you know, like so much was happening at this point in the movie, but also it, it, it's oddly, oddly realistic. Like it's tangible. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know where yeah. to fall on that one. No, I, that I, I really am 100% in agreement with you. That was the thing that kept jarring me was this. That's what I said at the top. Like, where are we? And I don't mean geographically, but, <laughs> and again, because it, it makes it harder for me to buy into the original, like the original magic is he's brought to life and you're like, wow, what a wonderful thing. Does that, is that really that astounding? When literally 10 minutes later, he talks to a talking fox. I don't know. Again, I don't know who he's supposed to be. I, I actually have a, slight stab of the dark guess which i don't like but uh he there's a talking fox there's a talking cat and then later there's donkey transfiguration and a whale big enough to put a person inside of it to establish residence slash so, a shipwreck question mark yeah all of that then makes me less i guess as a modern audience it just makes me less invested in pinocchio where i'm like well is it really that big of a deal he came to life <laughs> Apparently, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff happening in this world. Yeah. It's like if you wanted to sell me on just... how magical that was, then maybe make everything else a little more ordinary yes. or true exactly. to life. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If, if I'm meant to believe this is such a big moment and such a wonderful thing, then why is everything else in this movie so obscenely magical? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I just don't think it works in a modern way. It doesn't. It doesn't read the right way because I'm. I'm now. I'm just sort of like well. Who cares that Pinocchio's dead? He was literally a puppet. There's a bunch of donkey kids over there. Go adopt one of the donkey kids. They need a home. <laughs> like They're exactly the same as Pinocchio. They just didn't have Jiminy with them. Pinocchio was a puppet. There's actual children who were actually turned into donkeys. Why don't you go help them, Blue Fairy? Like, I don't, it just doesn't work anymore, I think, is my point. Yeah. My other nitpick with this movie is that I know it's supposed to be kind of a heartwarming tale about, um, you know, the father-son relationship. And more specifically, I think I've read in specific places that it's um, kind of about, like, the plight and the, the joy of being a single father, like, both sides of that. My question is, I just didn't get any of that. Like, this might just be a personal complaint, but I didn't feel, to be honest, any kind of bond between the two of them. I'm not saying that he wasn't, that Geppetto wasn't obviously, you know, enamored by Pinocchio and poured his heart into it and wanted him to survive. And I get that. It's just that, like, yep. he was gone for so much of the movie that I understand that, like, it was Pinocchio off on his own, doing his own thing. But it just didn't, like, click for me. Like, at the end when they were reunited, I wasn't like, man, finally. I was like... Finally, Pinocchio is going to stop doing his bullshit. I wasn't like, finally, the two that, of them can be yes. together as a family. And I completely that agree. that didn't click for me. So I'm a little more, I'm also a little confused as to like, if you're a parent watching this in 1940, or a kid watching this in 1940, do you really feel the familial moral? Or are you also just like, oh, finally, the, the nonsense can yeah. stop? Because those are two very different things. I definitely felt Geppetto's love for Pinocchio. I did not feel... Pinocchio. Which again, because as you said at the beginning of this, he was, he's been alive for like 10 minutes. Like, I'm not sure that he needs yeah. to suddenly learn the, the bounds of fatherly yeah. love also. Agreed. So this brings me to my second and last question for you. 
what is Monstro? What the hell is Monstro? I, I like. Someone and I was mean reading Moby Dick, and they had a draft of the script. Yeah. Due. <laughs> I that's like I'm I'm I am I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset. Maybe I'm just not smart enough for this. What the hell is Monstro? What's he supposed to be? Like, what's the metaphor that I'm not getting? Because I would again not reading the book. I not that I was uh, the most devout follower of the church when I used to go as a child, but I have vague memories of the story of Job. I would imagine that this is somehow related to Job. Maybe I have to. I have sort to of? assume. Yeah, <laughs> super Catholic Italy. I would imagine maybe wrote themselves a Job parable. I, what is Monstro? Like I don't. I, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on this because I can't figure it out. Like, what is the metaphor of Geppetto being swallowed by a whale? You're out of luck because this it? was also on my very short list of questions for you. I was like, man, surely he'll have an answer. He's nothing. had 20 years to sit on this. I know, and I don't have it. I don't know. It's just too specific to not be a, a pointed metaphor for something. Like literally ending up in the body of a whale for a, a significant period of time from which your puppet son has to come it's and like rescue you. like an evil whale. Yeah, like a, a large, large, undefeatable whale that... Pinocchio needed to become the master of fire in order to get him out of. Um, I got no idea. I don't know. And I actually kind of think that, I mean, so far all of our comments about this movie have been that, you know, it's a little weird. <laughs> it's uh, probably a little too much for us, but not that it's necessarily bad. However, I think this is my thing that I actually think might be bad about this movie. Like, what, I think that, what the hell is Monster? Like, I think that should have actually been clearer. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I I don't get it. And I, I again, like, I don't know. Somebody must know this. I don't know. Like, it, it must have something. But even if you, like, I went and looked briefly of, like, what is it in the book? And A, it's called the terrible dogfish in the book, which I think is funnier. Um, also, just shout out to all my fellow asthmatics out there, but it has asthma. <laughs> that's, like, an important part. <laughs> yeah, the whale has asthma. So that's how they, like, get out of it, is they... Like, they wait until it has to go to the top of the water to breathe because it's an asthmatic whale. But, like, I thought that maybe there would be a little bit of, you know, a little something. There'd be, like, an explanation of, like, oh, well, obviously the dogfish, or the whale in this case, Monstro, represents the the inevitability of your child moving on. And you cannot escape it no matter what you do. But, nope. (laughs) It didn't. It just was like, it's called the dogfish. It's in the book. So... I, I, yeah, I guess this is like a plea to our listeners. If you know what the hell Monstro is supposed to be, please tell us. I don't get it. I really don't. I have to, I'm still stuck on the Job thing. It has to be related. It, I, I don't know why. It's just, I guess it's because the only thing I know of elsewise in the world of a giant fish thing eating a person is Job. So that's it. It's just like, a, a you know, two things that look alike, but... I got nothing. It is a, like, significant part of the movie, too. Like, time-wise. Yeah. You spend a lot of yeah, time yeah, yeah. with this whale. Yeah, and it's, like, the big climax. Like, they get out of it, it chases them, it crashes into a cave, like, it's pissed. Like, the, the whale has agency and intent. Like, I guess that's the other thing I want to get at, is that's what makes me feel like it defeats my inevitability argument. Monstro isn't, like, a whale that is just swimming around and you happen to get swallowed by it. It, like, has evil intent. It wants to eat Geppetto, but not digest it, just live inside of it. (laughs) Like, it wants to consume 
that's that 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 speaks of some other form of intent and agency and intelligence beyond like if it was meant to represent like a very classic like metaphor for the power of nature or you know that that overwhelming force that you that humanity can't possibly stand mm. in the face of and no father can face like typically that would be something that is portrayed as it doesn't even think of you then like if it's meant to represent time like it doesn't think of you you're just prey to it but in this case no it wants them bad i got nothing nope so all of that to say are we gonna address the butts we have to address the butts which i think is the most important part of the movie yeah we've been building to this i only agreed to record this episode because i knew it would get to the butts. yeah <laughs> friends listeners there's a lot of butts in pinocchio like a lot of butts kind of an egregious amount of butts and we have talked about the fact that we don't really know what the hell is going on later in this movie but i do think it's worth noting that even at the like darkest point of the movie they're getting turned into donkeys uh aka asses Mm -hmm. what the hell is going on here what what did you so uh should we give some examples yeah i guess if that would help one of the the literally one of the first lines that we hear from from uh jiminy cricket is he he hops into the house and he literally says i was sitting by the fire warming my warming myself as he, like, cuts himself off from saying he was warming his ass, I guess. Well, he's rubbing his butt and with his hands. you see him, like, rubbing his butt cheeks with his hands by the fire. That's mo- that's that's butt number one. And it never stops from that on. We've got, ple- you know, please jump in with the ones you remember. I, I The ones that I really focused on were the cuckoo clocks. Yeah. The, the duck cuckoo clock turns upside down so you see their butts. There's the one of the lady spanking the guy. Um... Even the ones that aren't directly like here's a butt, like for example, there's one that's a um, like a wood chopper, and there's another one that's a conductor. And when they bend over, right, they're all like clockwork kind of machinery cuckoo clocks. When the little figures like bend at the waist, their asses show. Yeah. Like like, and I don't mean like because well, obviously they bend at the waist. There's going to be like a like a curvature. No, I mean like they've animated like the butt cheek through the pant so that everyone's kind of like sticking their ass out a little bit um which i will say really what this made me think of was i mean obviously this is what they intended but the the part in shrek when shrek watches the the welcome to dulock thing and all the puppets are and all the things are there and they all bend over and they're like and don't step on the grass instead of saying ass they got that exactly right well done to dreamworks you like really Man, good pull that's a good they call. were spot the hell on with that particular parody because that is exactly what it's like um like i said i know i'm missing some so please if you remember others throw them in here for us the cuckoo clocks really stand out to me there's also a scene where i can't remember who i think it's the fox and the cat or somebody sprays a bunch of water directly up another character's butt and it's yeah. like yeah 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 Yep. It's a lot of weird butts. It's 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 truly amazing. You could play an impressive drinking game. Oh, yeah. It would kill you. Yeah, and I remember Googling this, and because, you know, you pointed this first off. You pointed this out to me, and I was like, surely this, there's no way that's true. You were very right. Um, it's scarring <laughs> and, and remember, amazing. Yeah. It's also extra amazing in a movie where there's so much happening. That's also crazy. Like, yep. if, if, if this was a thing in a movie as calm as Snow White, I'd be like... 
I don't know. I would just have a different reaction. It would be weird in a different way. Yep. But I'd be like, okay, well, that's the thing about this movie. Because this movie needed a thing. Because not much happens, so it's the butts. Sure. But this movie didn't need a thing. It has like 14 things, and they're all weird. But also it managed to fit in the butts. And now I googled this, and I know we talked about this previously, but I thought that when I googled it, there would be some like film essays, some real articles, some real think pieces and listicles that are like, man, what's up with all the butts? But there's like maybe two articles and also those articles aren't even like hey what's up with the butts they're like so there are a lot of butts in pinocchio and the reason for that is that walt disney was uh it, as a child him his relationship with his father was that like he would spank him a lot as a kid to like you know correct him or whatever um and i guess that's just how things were in the 40s um a lot of butt spanking um but he was very kind of amused by that memory and thought it was a very childlike thing like you know kids and butts and stuff and I, really wanted to put in the i movie. remember you talking about this yes now the thing right. is i have multiple concerns with that like it's like i get it I, it was the 40s whatever the thing is that like this is a weird amount of butts for even somebody who wanted to put butts in a movie yep. like even if you were like yep. this movie's gonna have butts it's still way too many butts um like yep. to the point where it's like a weird <laughs> fetish thing or they put in like double the number and forgot to remove like something's weird off but also like who wants to put your ch who thinks that their like standout memory from their childhood slash their conception of childish humor and playfulness is butts like there are lots of other things that kids think are fun, funny, and, like, exciting that we no longer think are fun, funny, and exciting as adults. I just don't know that he needed to be like, so it's going to be butts. And that's where I yep. fall on this. No, I think you're... I, I think we talked about this last time, and I really think you have it... Like, I'm 100% I'm uh, in agreement with you. I, I don't think that's the reason. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It's not... Maybe it's, like, one tenth of the reason why there's butts but the the so here's where i here's where that argument loses me if it's true that he was so obsessed with his father's spanking of him which i want to come back to this that's sort of sort of a canonical thing like we do sort of know that because of a different movie um then why isn't it a part of the movie why isn't spanking a component of the movie like I don't know, like why, like Geppetto spanks uh, Pinocchio for sticking his hand in the fire, and that's why Pinocchio then takes off and has to be led by Jiminy Cricket back home or something. Like if it's if the spanking is the component, then why isn't spanking an actual component of what happens to Pinocchio? Mm. And instead, there's just butts. <laughs> like in other words, I guess what I'm saying is like butts. And then the the equal sign with the cross through it that means does not equal spanking. Like they're not. It's a it's yep. a Venn diagram. Sure, yes, yeah, spanking does involve butts, but not all butts are spanking. And this movie is mostly not that. So the 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 my my secondary piece of evidence here is uh, there is at least a, to uh, I think there's a, a, a level of doubt as to how necessarily true it is, but there is at least some component of truth to the idea that the movie Mary Poppins, the portrayal of Mr. Banks in that movie is supposed to be largely based on Walt Disney's father. And that's like an important thing is like, and again, I think there's debates as to how actually true this is, but the idea being like, 
he really pushed for a certain portrayal because of uh, uh, his father and that it was sort of like a, a, a you know, cath- a catharsis project. And there's that famous scene in Saving Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks uh, uh, and Emma Thompson uh, in which he's basically describing his own father and, and about how he was like, you know, the, the, he's something about like he can still feel the lashes of the, the belt to this day, that kind of thing. Right. And that the, the whole point of the movie and the reason that Mr. Banks is saved is that it's actually like the movie itself is not about saving the kids. It's about saving the father because this is Disney absolving his father kind of a thing. So again, let's let's put an asterisk there and say who knows how much of that is true. But let's assume for a second that any component of it is true. That movie doesn't even have spanking. That's the one about his dad, maybe. <laughs> like, right. if that's true, then why the hell does this movie not? Have, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. If that movie didn't even have it, if he was so obsessed with spanking and butts because of a component of of abuse from his father, essentially, then how come the movie that might be about his dad doesn't even feature it? That's what makes me then come back to Pinocchio and say, that's just not true. I don't know why the hell there's butts, but that ain't it. <laughs> like, which then, of course, leads us back to the original point. I still don't know why. I, I don't know. Is it an Italian thing? Italians who listen to this, please speak up. Um, is it you? Is it a puppet thing? Is it like a marionette thing? Which maybe, like a Punch and Judy marionette style, do they, or is it like a very common thing in marionette humor or whatever? To have butts. Right. It feels like we're maybe uh, missing something. But also, I don't think we are. <laughs> so I'm going to need no, an explanation. And that, that's the thing that really confuses me is it's mostly aesthetic. It's not like spanking isn't a component. The, the right. only thing that stands out to me is that it is it is very focused on as an aesthetic component. Everybody's got an ass. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm even reading into some of them too much. But like, you know, when they're like petting Figaro and stuff, there's like a lot of attention to like, ooh, he loves his ass getting scratched. <laughs> like, There's like a lot of weird attention paid to it. And then they get turned into asses later in the movie. That's all I've got. I have like a, I've got one little, on a cork board, I have one push pin that says butt aesthetic. And then I have another push pin with a red piece of yarn that says they get turned into asses. And then it's just me looking at it. Like Charlie Day, and I don't, I can't connect the two. <laughs> I really, it's my, I want to open a YouTube account. Open a YouTube account? What the hell did I just say? Like a bank? I want to start a YouTube account. My 89 year old Just for the sole Eric purpose. <laughs> I know. Uh, for the sole purpose of making one video essay. And that video essay, it's going to be a, a, a monster, like, you know, it'll be my PhD thesis. Amazing. What? The hell reason are there butts in Pinocchio? I think in the future... I, I, I'm so curious. If I, In the future, if I ever have one of those party game questions that's like, what two people, living or dead, would you like to have dinner with? Like, definitely <laughs> picking Walt Disney just for this reason now. Yeah, for this question. What was up with that, buddy? <laughs> What's going on? Because, I mean, like, that's what I mean. Like, being very, like, like... I'm try- I don't remember these movies super well. Like, I'm not, you know, the reason we're doing this is because I've watched these movies way too many times for any normal person, and you've never watched them, essentially. Um, and that's what makes it kind of interesting. That being said, I'm not saying I remember them exactly, but I can tell you this much. Looking at the quick list really quick, Snow White, Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi, like, that's that's the golden age of Disney. Let's just start with those big ones right there. I don't think a single one of those features butts from my memory. Dumbo doesn't have a butt. Dumbo's got an alcoholic 
uh, 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 an elephant. That's cool. Fantasia's got some good old-fashioned racism and lots of music that was boring to me as a child. But again, no buts. <laughs> like, I Bambi's, you know, we got mom problems, but Bambi isn't, like, obsessed with Thumper's ass. Like, it's not there. And then the wartime era passes. Uh, Cinderella doesn't have it. Ichabod and Toad doesn't have Nothing. I got nothing. Man. So that's why I'm so... Fo- why was it only this movie? Imagine if they really do get Tom Hanks for the Zemeckis remake, and then they're like, hey, we're going to do all the butts <laughs> true to life, though. By the way. Live we action, we're going to reinvent the veal, but we're going to keep yep. one thing from the original. <laughs> we'll give you one guess, so, Mr. Hanks. That's a good segue. That's a good segue out of our... Um, out of our... Uh, uh, out of our butts conversation here, which I guess I want to end that by saying, if you, again, listeners, if you have any ideas on Monstro and or the Pinocchio butts, please let us know. I kind of encourage you to watch this movie just so you can see what we're talking about with the butts. It's extraordinary. But that's a great segue from Shalila into um, the future. Shalila, can you run us down the list of all of the Pinocchio movies that are coming. Okay. So for some reason, this movie has three live-action remakes, either out or in the pipeline. Three. One, two, three. Confirmed live-action remakes. So we have um, Disney's official live-action remake, which has been, as I... This is the one I know the least about. Greenlit. Zemeckis is directing. Tom Hanks is in talks to play Geppetto. Um, but he has been in talks for a while. Movie's been greenlit since 2015. I remember that. Um, then second, we have not through Disney, but still very legit live action remake greenlit by Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro, Legend of the uh, Unsettling Live Action Charactery Fantasy Horror. Uh, I'm yep. saying this very badly. Uh, canon of movies. It's coming from Netflix, by the way. Or that's who acquired it. Well, uh, so is it has it been made, or do they just? I think they're still making it. Um, but it's it's produced by the Jim Henson Company, like the Muppets folks. But it is being it has been since then acquired by Netflix and is being released in 2021, supposedly. Interesting. Okay, well, I look forward to that. I'm personally excited. Um, and then this is the one I know a lot about. Um, there's a movie, a 2020 uh, live action not really remake just a a version of pinocchio um that is it's i believe that it was selectively released to some reviewers slash in the middle of all the covid cinema hell i think it briefly made it to some theaters in italy because it is an italian italian remake like by an italian filmmaker in the country of italy um and is uh, it has been made it's been it's selectively released um and what's amazing about this movie is that everybody who's reviewed it either absolutely despises it and thinks it's creepy trash or <laughs> thinks that it is one of the most stunningly unsettling films put to theater so yeah divisive um, but the guy who made it is like a, a Loki, a legend in, in Italian cinema and, uh, people either love it or hate it, <laughs> but either way, it's supposed to be very interesting. I've watched the trailer. Um, I don't have any specific thoughts. It's definitely unsettling, but it's not horror. Um, it's, it's a little creepy to see a realistic looking wooden puppet, but that is a creepy concept. That's the, that's the world of live action Pinocchio remakes. I think the one that most interests me of those is the Del Toro one. 
and I guess what I should say from that is that a I didn't even know about the third one until you brought it up. But after this, I don't know if I don't know I don't know what the Italians are up to with the butts. So I just you know I don't know if I can trust it. Uh, the first one is the Disney remake, and two things there we haven't talked about this at all. This is your your. You know, this is our uh, we'll do it live moment here. Have you watched The Witches? In Roald Dahl? Yeah. No, the new I one haven't. That just hit HBO? No, but I did, I did see that it okay, got I'd... some very bad reviews. Yeah, I figure we should probably do an episode on that at some point. Uh, that might truly be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire Damn. life. And I don't mean That's that. I'm not trying to be mean books. to that movie. It's extraordinarily upsetting. Oh, um, other than that Anne Hathaway looks like she's having the time of her life. We're good for her. All of that to say, Robert Zemeckis, I don't know what he's been up to, but <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith. And he's a thin freaking eyes Disney, of you right now. The Disney live action movies have just, I mean, man, Dumbo, Cinderella, Lion King. I mean, I don't know. I just don't have any faith. <laughs> the Del Toro one, though, this is where I, this is what I'm interested in. It's from the Jim Henson Company. It's Del Toro, who, and I quote, has said this about Pinocchio. No art form has influenced my life and my work more than animation. And no single character in history has had as deep of a personal connection to me as Pinocchio. So you know when like Clickhole makes those edits that's like, Jimmy Fallon said what? And it's just an amazingly (laughs) funny fake quote. I straight up thought you were reading one of those. Nope. He is is, uh, really into Pinocchio. And I, I, again, he's not adapting the Disney movie, right? He's adapting the book, The Adventures of Pinocchio. Yes. Um, the cast thus far, somebody is Pinocchio. I don't know who this person is. Gregory Mann. No clue. Ewan McGregor as the cricket, not called Jiminy Cricket here. <laughs> uh, David Bradley, who for the uninitiated is uh, Filch from Harry Potter and Walder Frey from Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as Geppetto, which... I don't think I would have been able to see him as like a warm father figure ever. So that's interesting. Um, Ron Perlman as the character who in the Disney movie is called Stromboli. It looks like in the Italian one, he's called Mangiafuoco. Mangiafuoco, maybe? Sure. Uh, Tilda Swinton as the Blue Fairy, which again, interesting. And Christoph Waltz as the Fox and the Cat. The other confirmed people in this movie are john turturro kate blanchett tim blake nelson and finn wolfhard as the other kid who gets turned into a donkey (laughs) man i want to watch this movie tomorrow wild cast i know it's a wild cast and del toro is so into it and here's the other part that i that i think is worth noting it's a stop motion movie (gasps) it's stop motion animated pinocchio i'm into it anyway though yeah yes so he that that's like the key here is it's like I don't know if it's a mix or if it's purely stop motion, but he is just Del Toro is so in love with this movie and so in love with the story and it's such a weird cast. This I'm actually into. Like I I, I don't know what the hell it'll be, but I'm curious. The Disney one, I don't know. <laughs> well know. we'll we'll review at least those two of the three. Yeah. And we'll take the Italian one. We'll do it. why not we'll make it happen here's my question here's what i want to sum up the the point of why i think we're bringing up these live actions Uh, my big question to you that probably doesn't have an answer but i love throwing these to you anyway is there anything to be gained from a pinocchio movie in the year 2020 on 
Like, given what we know about the movie that you just saw today, given the basics that we know about the story overall, what, what, like, do you think there's any value in telling the story again? So, unsurprisingly, that's my question too. I don't actually have an answer, but I am going to revisit something that's going to make you sound like a an amazing thematically consistent podcast host. So, I think when we were first talking it. about doing the series, I think maybe in the Snow White episode, you asked me um, if, or you asked us to discuss whether it matters that we're doing this, like whether it matters that we're revisiting Disney yeah. stories and what it means to revisit that legacy now that there are so many animation houses and they're a little indistinguishable to the average viewer. Here's the thing. Um, I think exactly these questions, like, does this story that first off was very weird in the past and is very weird now, but also through the course of this episode, we've come to learn um, a little bit about how maybe the reviews that were put out at that time made sense to those reviewers and how it was possibly viewed by the audience of the time, considering its contrast with the original tale and also considering kind of, I don't know, what, what American families were like in the 20th century. Um, but then bringing that into the present is a weird and difficult task. And I still don't have an answer for you. I'll, I'll, I'll try and give like a half one. But I think that these kind of questions are why there's value in doing this series. Um, we, we came up with several sure. reasons, but this is one of the great things I think about it is that, um, man, why are they still remaking the ones that probably don't need <laughs> remake um yeah, because i guess that's I, what i'm getting at like why, why from remake our fabric Disney's of reality right now yeah 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 yeah. we don't need yeah. that i i think also also and this is my hottest day in fact this is where i can leave it um we don't need anything more with pinocchio after shrek did it like it that was perfect that's what i was gonna say yeah like if we've already done parody then what else is there yeah so i get let me ask this a different way let me let me i'm gonna challenge you here what is your if, if tomorrow Disney calls you and says Zemeckis dropped, if we don't get somebody on it today, Hanks walks, and there's nothing worse than disappointing Tom Hanks, <laughs> what's your pitch? Like, how do you remake Pinocchio? I, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't, if they just do a literal shot for shot, Lion King-esque live action remake of Pinocchio, I think it is a valueless piece of art. I truly don't think there's a point. So what... What is your pitch then? Like, how do you make Pinocchio something that is relevant or in any way worth telling again? Specifically the Disney version. Like, I don't think that there's a Disney version of this that is worth anything. I just don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Zemeckis has got something amazing. I, we've said this many times on the podcast before. I'm always rooting for movies. Like, I don't want them to fail. I really don't. So I hope that he's got something. I don't think so, but I hope. <laughs> um, but I want to go back to the Del Toro one for a second. The the little bit that I read about it, just as an example of like what you could do with it, the point of his new one apparently is about all of this story taking place in the 1930s Italy that is devolving and growing very much in love with fascism. Ah. Like it's, it's taking place in... Mussolini's Italy. That that's good. I can like I already see it. I got it because I'm assuming then the parallels are. It's going to be sort of a Jojo Rabbit esque, like the Pinocchio falling in love with, not falling in love with, but like being tempted by. Don't listen to the cricket, right? Go, you know, go have fun. Go to the thing and apparently work for a fire eater puppet guy. 
go drink and smoke and do all that. I'm assuming what that is all going to be paralleled with is the the very tangible, very seductive power of fascism and relating it to the same idea of like it's its effect on children and how that hits you at that time and like all those like that makes a hundred percent sense. I kind of get it. And if that's the case, awesome. Great choice. What a cool way to use an old story and and make it relevant to a modern age. But obviously Disney can't do that. So I don't know what they've got then other than Tom Hanks. <laughs> Which is fair. That's enough. That's but. your answer. That right there. Maybe it'll be like a Mr. Rogers kind of thing and he really does just go on a fun adventure and it's going to be the movie that I thought it was before I watched it. Sure, right, right, right. And you're like, oh, okay, got it. Yes, this makes way more sense. Yeah. The only thing that I can think of, my my only answer to my own question is, I actually think you gave me the answer earlier this episode. I love when that happens. I don't know, I don't know how you would do it, but the only thing that I can think of is child trafficking is a very prevalent problem in this exact moment pinocchio that's not like it's a very real thing and it's very very relevant and insidious all around the world but even like you know just go to disney even specifically in america like it's a huge problem so i don't know how the hell disney would do it but the only thing that i can think of is that you take Exactly what you said, you know, maybe you play with the family aspect, uh, maybe, you know, you update it to the, to the ideas of what that looks like in the modern era. But the only other thing I can think of is that you take it and you use it as a way to talk about that, like the dangers of that and how that, you know, what that, that, what that looks like to children in a kid Disney friendly way. <laughs> Which I don't know how you do because Pinocchio of 1940 was, I mean, by today's standards, is wildly not kid-friendly. I just, yeah. that is a baffling movie. So you obviously can't do it the same way. But that's the only thing I can think of. Like, that's the only thing of value that I could invest in this movie is maybe it can be a cautionary tale of some sort. I, I, I got Man, nothing beyond that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And again, that feels impossible. I don't know how you do it. But, you know, well, that is Pinocchio. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on Pinocchio for us? I think we've said it all. Actually, my closing thought is that did you know Pinocchio is in Kingdom Hearts? Because I didn't until today. Boy, did I. Did you, did you play Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> I have played Kingdom Hearts. I'm not I'm not an actual fan like you, but I, I'm, you know, I'm familiar. I've played. Okay. I, oh God, I adore Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> that's, it's gotta be either my first or second game series of all time. Uh, that, that's actually the game that, that um, like, that's the video game I was sort of uh, uh, weaned on, if that's how you want to see, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like very no, early on, it was like, when I think of Pokemon Hearts, on the Game Boy and Kingdom Hearts on the PlayStation 2. Like, that is everything about my ability to play any game today is because of Kingdom Hearts. Love it. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because the Monstro levels, really great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Monstro is a fantastic location. You basically run around inside of the whale. He's a great world you play in. It's really cool. It's a, it's a really cool usage and it makes way more sense than the movie, to be totally honest. He's just a giant space whale. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, he's great. I, I love Pinocchio in the Kingdom Hearts sense. Yeah. I'm glad you ended it that way. That really made me happy. We should bring, I, you know what? Because you brought that up, I'm gonna make sure to plug that into all of these as I go. Into you know, you won't you won't ever know. I'll just be like, by the way, did you know that Chernabog from Fantasia is one of the 
uh, one of the Kingdom Hearts villains, and you'll be surprised every time. I feel like this uh, is what it's like to be Alex. I know. I, it, uh, she I mean, she's got to be so excited. This is what she gets subjected to. I, well, yeah, I, I got her playing it recently. She She's like halfway through the first game. She likes oh, it. Oh, she it's, likes it's it. Fun. Okay, good, 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 okay. Yeah, they're super fun. And there's, I mean, I can't, this has become a Kingdom Hearts podcast so quickly. Um, for any of you out there who have some free time, maybe Eric's because of a global podcast. quarantine, and you have access to a PlayStation 3 or 4, buy the Kingdom Hearts set and just play it. It's so easy. You just need to be able to press the X button. They're made for children. They're so easy. It's also like um, bad shit. When you realize how many characters or oh, how many things are in it, you're God, just going to have a good time. so baffling. Yeah, yeah. The stories are absolutely inane. Uh, you'll never make sense of it. It's actually a really great lesson in letting go of control. Because <laughs> if you think you can control that narrative in your own brain, you are absolutely losing it. Like, there's, you can't do it. Um, anyway, what a fun tangent that was. Uh, Pinocchio, let me ask you this. Ignoring everything else you've seen, so I guess only Snow White and Pinocchio, which did you... Like, how do you rank them? Is Snow White better as a movie? Did you enjoy it more? Maybe that's what I want. What did you enjoy more? Yeah, I wouldn't say they're very far apart for me, but I would put Snow White above. I don't think I had any, like, for-the-time criticisms of Snow White. Um, however, I have some concerns about, even at the time, a few of the choices yeah. in this movie. These are both beautiful, beautiful movies that are actually like I know I know they I know watching it on Disney Plus is not the the level of HD that the 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 theater goers in 1940 saw, but it is still just stunning animation that I I frankly cannot believe that they did like watching some of the water splash and the whale and I have no words um, like we did in the Snow White episode I could probably do like 15 minutes on just how much I love the animation so they're very close beautiful movies. Um, but Snow White is taking the crown for me so far. It's not really, it's not really hard. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think it's, um, not only the animation side for me, but, uh, I think I'm, I'm really trying to stick to just like, what did I enjoy more gut instinct without overthinking it? I think it's just more enjoyable to watch Snow White because Pinocchio is so upsetting sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, that's it. Great. Well, our next movie whenever we decide to do our third Disney movie, is Fantasia. As we end this episode, what do you know about Fantasia? Like, what's your what's your expectation? What do you know? I don't know anything. I don't know nothing anything Nothing about all. it? I, it's just a word to me. Literally nothing? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> cool. Weird. Interesting. I'm excited by this. I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, don't, don't look it up. Just put it on. Okay. Because... If you don't know anything about it, that's going to make it so much more interesting for when it begins for you to see what Fantasia actually is. Okay, prepare your questions for me. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. So for uh, all of you following along at home, you can turn on Fantasia and that'll be, it'll be like a book club. This is like a book club that's very one directional. We don't actually hear from them, but you can all participate with us and you can watch Fantasia. And then when you listen to us talk about it, you can have your own thoughts at home. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun thing. Wow. <laughs> Just described podcasts. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave it there for me. Shalila, why don't you end it for us? Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Well, thank you very much for listening to our thoughts on Pinocchio, the second but maybe fourth part of our series on Disney. Um, we appreciate you, and we hope you're all doing well. Um, and if you would like to continue engaging with us, you can find us anywhere that you get your podcasts. 
um, literally anywhere. If you would like to support us in the work that we do, patreon.com slash AYSW would be the place to go. And if you would like to chat with us, tell us what the hell is up with Monstro, tell us um, what's up with the butts, just generally, you know, you know, yell at us for anything that we said, slash, you know, give us a follow. We're both on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter at OKShalila, just the letters OK and Shalila, and Eric is on Twitter. At more Eric Morales. There we go. And uh, we'll be back with more Disney slash actually probably something else, something more exciting in between. Yes, we will see you then. 